Welcome to Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the challenges and opportunities facing the global food supply chain and speak with experts working to support a planet of plenty. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm joined from Dublin, Ireland, by Kieran Black, an independent strategy and business innovation consultant. Kieran's expertise is in leading new growth programs, creating new value propositions, and challenging existing business models in large corporations as well as startups. And we want to get his take on the European Union Green Deal, what it means for food production and farming in the EU, as well as the implications for the global food chain in 2021 and beyond. Welcome to Ag Future, Kieran. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be here. And if you would first refresh us on the goals of the EU Green Deal. Yes, the, um, the EU Green Deal is, is a, a very ambitious plan uh, to become the first continent in the world to become carbon neutral by, by 2050. And really what it's trying to do is decouple economic growth with a move towards greater sustainability. And really the target has changed recently to a much higher level, this 2050 target of, of carbon neutrality. And what we're seeing is that in the last 20 years or 25 years or so, we've seen a 25% reduction in emissions in Europe. But along that period of time, there was also about a 60% growth in the economy. So the view is that economic prosperity and sustainability can go hand in hand. But the change here really is that uh, the ambition of the target is much higher. So in the next 10 years to 2030, we're looking to move from a position of around about 25% reduction up to 55% uh, reduction, and then on towards uh, full neutrality by, by 2050. So we're really seeing a, a radical transformation of the economy and society in Europe. What would be the consequences of inaction? Is there a sense of urgency? Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I think, you know, most people and most countries recognize that climate change you know, is a, is a huge challenge for the planet and it must be addressed. So it's not only Europe that's pushing towards this level of ambition. We've seen China recently commit to climate neutrality by 2060. And I think, you know, President Biden already has signed back up to the Paris Agreement. So I think we'll see um, new targets on the way from the US as well. And also, you know, in the private sector, companies like Microsoft and Amazon and Unilever are all setting themselves big targets in, in this regard. So I think that the consequences of, of inaction are, on the one hand, trying to address really important questions for, for the planet, but also there's a competitive situation whereby if it's inevitable that countries are going to be going in this direction, then delaying is not a good strategy. And also that there are huge opportunities if you take the first move and then start to develop new technologies and new approaches that will help you meet those targets, then you're in a much stronger position. So a goal of no net emissions of greenhouse gases by 2050, is this viewed as a realistic goal by the European agricultural and food production sectors? Well, I think there's little doubt about the direction of travel. You know, agriculture and, and food production, you know, wants to become more sustainable, more innovative, uh, produce more with, with less resources. You know, that's, that's good business after all. So, so there is a real interest in moving that direction. I think there is some skepticism around how fast the sector can move and can it do these kind of levels of changes um, within a short time frame. But I don't see anyone that is necessarily opposing the goals. It's more, it's more the pace of change. And I think the real debate 
is around how much can be done voluntarily within the sector and how much needs legislation or regulation to, to, to push the pace. What is happening? How is farming adapting to eliminate greenhouse gas emissions? Well, well in Europe, um, the way it works is that um, the European Commission has set these lofty ambitions for, for 2030 and for, for 2050. And then each country, each member state, has to develop its own strategic plan in relation to, to agriculture. It's called the CAP, the Common Agricultural Policy. It develops its own strategic plans about how it will transition to that objective. So it means that each country will have its own individual and tailored plan for how the nation will meet those, those overall targets. So it means that the agriculture companies within each country will have different sets of targets, but all towards this common goal. And I think there's a, a, a growing awareness of you know, how seriously um, Europe is moving towards this target and how they have to adapt um, their business towards that. So I, I think every company in Europe uh, who's involved in the agriculture and food industry really understands that they need to adapt and, and are already progressing a long way towards um, being ready for that. Well, a, a big, ambitious initiative like this with targeted goals can have a way of influencing the development of, of innovative new businesses. Are you seeing that happen at this stage? Yeah, absolutely. I think what, what's, as I mentioned, with each of these strategic plans for each country, those start to have specific targets, and those specific targets drive specific innovation. So we're already seeing lots of um, activity around those those areas. And on an EU-wide basis, um, a huge amount of funding is going to go into uh, incentives to increase the level of research and development and innovation um, across all of those sectors. So we're, we're seeing a huge impact, but it's very much driven around the, the specifics of what the targets are about. Kiwin, can you give us uh, some examples of some of the new businesses that are emerging in response to the Green Deal? Well, I mean, I think we're still in, in the early stages, but in mm-hmm. general, virtually all um, new startups in the sector all have some kind of sustainability play. Um, and it's right across the, the crops and livestock um, sectors. So, so we're seeing it uh, right across the board. Uh, and I think really what we're seeing is that there's a real mindset shift towards including sustainability in, in every decision um, that companies are making. So that means that they're really stitching sustainability into the value propositions that they're developing. And I think we're seeing the pace of, of that really gathering now as people become clearer and clearer about what they need to do to be able to meet these targets. You uh, mentioned earlier that a key goal of this strategy is to decouple economic growth from resource use. So does that require a wholesale transition to renewable energy? Well, the energy sector is a a huge part of the emissions profile in Europe. So it's about 75% of emissions all come from from the energy sector. So it is key to the target. And this will mean much more renewables on the system. So a lot more green energy. And we're also seeing a lot more electrification to move us away from fossil fuels uh, as an energy source. So that's things like, you know, um, electric vehicles moving away from fossil fuels as a source. We're also seeing that where electrification is not possible, a big drive for uh, clean fuels such as hydrogen uh, are, are, is very important. And overall, I think 
the energy sector itself has to really increase its efficiency, greater level of interconnection, integration and, and digitization of that. But it has been very clear that this sector was going to be the focal point for many years. So I think there's a huge amount of progress that's already been made in, in, in relation to energy. Well, we don't get change of this scale and scope without debate, without controversy, without a lot of uh, anxiety. Are you seeing those things emerge as uh, the EU moves toward these goals? And yes, so so certainly, yeah, you're right. I mean, controversy is, is always going to be there with the, the, the level of transformation that's there. I, I'd see it at two levels. One is, you know, on the big picture, which is really to do with international trade. You know, I think one of the most controversial things will be what's called here border carbon adjustment, which is, you know, how much you can influence adding tariffs to imports that are coming into Europe that are of a lesser standard in terms of environmental sustainability than, than others. I think that will be very controversial and will have a real impact in terms of trade negotiations. Within the agriculture and food sector themselves, I think what we're seeing is, is some discussion around initiatives like the increase in organic farming. There's an objective to have 25% of farmland uh, being organic by 2030, and also a movement towards what's called carbon farming, whereby the produce coming from farming is not milk and meat uh, and crops, it's about sequestering carbon. And um, actually, how that works in practice is going to be quite controversial and the degree to which the sector can make a transformation in that kind of fundamental sense um, I think is going to be quite quite difficult uh, and also I mean I think there's a push towards changing diets to more plant-based over meat-based diets and I think that'll be quite controversial too. Hmm. Interesting. This strategy calls for action to reduce the use and risk of chemical and more hazardous pesticides by 50%. How is this imperative spurring innovation in pest control? I think we'll see a lot more innovation around integrated pest management. So it's not just the innovation around the pesticides themselves, but also around kind of new innovative agricultural services that will you know, monitor the growth of pathogens and you know, help find exactly the right time when then different pesticides should be used and, and how, they're, how they're applied. So I think we're going to see a much more integrated approach. So it's rather than just one product will will hit um, a whole range of different pathogens, it will be much more selective and intelligent use of those interventions. So I think it's going to be a very interesting space. That then obviously means that the use of data and services become much, much more important in, in the sector. Uh, the plan also calls for reducing nutrient losses by at least 50% while ensuring no deterioration of soil fertility. But the plan also calls for reducing fertilizer use by at least 20%. What are the implications of this? Yeah, those are, are pretty ambitious targets. Um, but nutrient losses are, are bad for everyone, really. You know, the farmer loses out and the environment loses out too. So this is primarily around um, nitrogen efficiency. And this is quite a complex system, especially in relation to, to livestock farming. So the implications are that we need to take a more holistic view. It's not just about fertilizer itself. So we need to have improved efficiency in areas like feed intake, make sure that that's of, of high quality. Um, how the animal processes that, that feed in, internally is another area where we can innovate and, and improve efficiency. 
And then also how we manage manure and how we spread fertilizer on the land are also other areas that are important. So this gives, you know, a really significant scope to innovate across all these subsystems. And the key really is to coordinate and integrate those approaches so that the sum of all those interventions deliver a really significant impact. The strategy includes something called the Just Transition Mechanism. And between this year and 2027, this program is to pump billions in financial support and technical assistance to help those who are most affected by the move towards the green economy. Are farming and food production or elements of the sector eligible for this kind of assistance? Yeah, I mean, the attention is that all sectors that are negatively impacted are, are eligible for this uh, just transition mechanism. So in the in the case of agriculture, initiatives, like I mentioned, around carbon farming may help ease that transition. So this would be a case where maybe a farmer who had traditionally been a dairy producer or a beef producer or growing crops will find a situation where because of the change towards a more sustainable future might mean that it's difficult for them to, to have an economic business in their traditional farming. So they might migrate to things like carbon farming, which might be forestry or different initiatives that will increase either biodiversity or sequestration of of carbon into their soils. So mechanisms that will support that shift and that transition are certainly areas that are going to be very applicable to agriculture and food production. But there's a lot of detail that's still required to work out for that, how how it will work in practice. And I think this will take, you know, some quite considerable time before that becomes clear. Um, but the intention is that the sector will be eligible for these mechanisms. I saw that in, in detailing its Green Deal proposal on its website, the European Commission says the plan for making the EU economy sustainable involves turning climate and environmental challenges into opportunities. In, in what important ways can this be achieved by the food production industry? Well, well, sustainability is is a is a product attribute that that customers want more and more. I mean, I think there's a growing awareness of the importance of it, and and, and customers are interested in that. So, um, that's nothing exclusive to the food and agriculture sector. So, the better companies are able to provide sustainability, the better it is for their businesses. So, that's where that's where the opportunity arises. Now, whether this means a widespread willingness to pay higher prices for food and produce remains to be seen or whether there will be different mechanisms to, to, to support that. But I think the consumer preference is certainly there. Uh, and this creates an opportunity for producers to differentiate themselves and in, in how they, they meet that. So things like local sourcing of, of food and produce, you know, may increase um, opportunities for those local producers, etc. So I, I think it's not all about restricting practices. It's also an opportunity to be able to differentiate and hold yourself up above competition. So there's certainly lots of, of opportunities there. And also on a more global basis, I think uh, the global food industry will be demanding more and more sustainable produce. So if, if Europe is able to produce the products that fall into that category, well, then that's, that's good uh, business for EU producers. Is it uh, relevant or important to the success of the EU Green Deal that under President Biden, the United States has now re-entered the Paris Climate Accord? Yes, I, I think it's very important. Um, you know, a broader coalition between major political powers and continents 
is going to be a very important aspect of meeting the global challenge of, of climate change. And in fact, a key component of the Green Deal strategy is what they call Green Deal diplomacy, which is to try and get all major powers to help and support the drive towards greater sustainability so that we can we can meet those targets. Uh, and, you know, a key ally in having the US being part of the, the Paris Climate Accord is going to be um, essential for Europe so that they can move forward together to meeting the targets rather than having a more risky situation of, of playing it alone. And how is this for you, Kieran, in, in your line of work of independent strategy, business innovation, consulting? This must be an exciting time. Yeah, it certainly is. I, I mean, I think I focus on, on strategy and especially around, around business models. And companies really need to reevaluate actually how they do business today and recognize that in the future, this is going to be a, a pretty big transformation. And I, I often think of it that in 10 or 15 years time, we'll look back in the same way as we're looking back now on how did we ever do business before without cellular phones or, or, or the internet. And um, we'll be thinking around how did we ever make decisions on a business basis without building in sustainability uh, into our overall evaluation. So it's very exciting from my perspective to be able to help companies invent those new opportunities or those new business models to avail of those opportunities. Well, it's going to be fascinating to follow. And maybe we check back with you uh, down the road a little bit and see how things have progressed. That'd be great, Tom. I really enjoyed our chat. Yes, Kieran Black, an independent strategy and business innovation consultant based in Dunboyne, Ireland. We spoke with him from Dublin, and we thank you for joining us, Kieran. Thanks, Tom. Join us for the rest of this series as we reflect on how the agriculture industry adapted in 2020 and speak with experts on what's in store for agri-food in 2021. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts.